0: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news,
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original.
2: I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing an ongoing tragedy, the Flint water crisis. Here's what you need to know. Established in 1819 as a trading post, the city of Flint, Michigan, lies along the Flint River some 60 miles northwest of Detroit. After General Motors set up shop in the 1930s, the city grew along with the automotive industry. By the 1960s, Flint's population had doubled from 100,000 residents to almost 200,000. But in the 1980s, the closing and relocation of several General Motors plants caused major economic devastation. As a result, Over the next 20 years, Flint's population was cut in half, along with its tax revenue. By 2011, its now 100,000 residents, mostly African American, were struggling. Over 40% were living below the poverty line, and nearly one in six homes in the city had been abandoned. With a $25 million deficit on their hands, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder appointed an emergency manager to help Flint officials explore ways they could save money. They realized that by switching from its current water provider, Detroit Water and Sewage Department, and building its own pipeline connecting to Lake Huron, the region would save $200 million over 25 years. In 2013, city and state officials decided that while the pipeline was being built, they would end the practice of pumping Detroit's treated water and temporarily use water from the Flint River to service its residents. On April 25, 2014, the switch was made. For over 100 years, the Flint River had served as an unofficial waste disposal site for many of the local industries. This corrosive water was not treated properly before it was pumped into the city of Flint, with officials instead taking more of a wait-and-see approach. Not surprisingly, soon after it started coming out of their taps, residents started complaining about the smell and color of their new water. But despite their protests, officials maintained that the water was safe, even as residents desperately pleaded holding jugs of discolored water. In August, E. coli and total coliform bacteria were detected in the water and an outbreak of Legionnaires' disease was reported in Genesee County. The city treated the problem by prompting residents to boil their water and pumping more chlorine into their pipes. Still, officials did not take significant action, even after studies conducted a year into the use of Flint River water indicated that citywide lead levels had spiked and were deemed by researchers to be a very serious problem. In September 2015, a study from the local Hurley Medical Center came out with an alarming report. Incidences of elevated blood lead levels in children had doubled since 2014. In some neighborhoods, that number had tripled. As Flint pediatrician Mona hanna Atisha noted, quote, "...lead is one of the most damning things you can do to a child in their entire life course trajectory." According to the NRDC, modern science shows that even low levels of lead can impair the brain development of fetuses, infants, and young children. Exposure can result in reduced IQ and physical growth, including anemia, hearing impairment, cardiovascular disease, and behavioral problems. For adults, large doses of lead exposure have been linked to high blood pressure, heart and kidney disease, and reduced fertility. On September 25, 2015, the city put out a lead advisory to its residents, and on October 16th, it switched back to its original Detroit water supplier. By January of 2016, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder and President Obama declared a state of emergency in Genesee County, prompting FEMA to step in to provide water to Flint residents. A federal judge sided with Flint residents and ordered the implementation of door-to-door delivery of bottled water to homes without properly installed and maintained faucet filters. Later that same year, a major settlement required the city to replace thousands of its lead pipes. The Flint water crisis is still ongoing. While lawsuits and criminal charges against state employees have been filed, many have gotten away with just a slap on the wrist. Recently, a judge granted the preliminary approval of a $641 million settlement reached between the state of Michigan and other responsible defendants and the families and children affected by lead poisoning. But many agree that there is still much more to be done for justice to be served for the tragedy that continues to happen in Flint, Michigan.
3: Today, former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder pleaded not guilty to misdemeanor charges he willfully neglected his duty during the Flint water crisis, his lawyer calling it political persecution. Eight other former officials and aides were also charged in connection to
4: the scandal, two with involuntary manslaughter. This case has nothing whatsoever to do with partisanship. It has to do with human decency, resurrecting the complete abandonment of the people of Flint, and finally, finally holding people accountable.
2: Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. According to the NRDC, in Flint, nearly 9,000 children were supplied lead-contaminated water for 18 months. The city's switch from Detroit water to the Flint River coincided with an outbreak of Legionnaires' disease, a severe form of pneumonia that killed 12 and sickened at least 87 people between June of 2014 and October of 2015. It is the third-largest outbreak of Legionnaire's disease recorded in U.S. history. While action by the water utility is required once the level of lead in public water supplies reaches 15 ppb, the EPA acknowledges that there is no safe level of exposure to lead. Independent tests conducted in fall 2015 revealed that nearly 17% of samples from hundreds of Flint homes measured above the 15 ppb federal-led action level, with several samples registering above 100 ppb. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Alarmy. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hello, everyone. And our very special guest is Alarmy fan favorite, Clayton Early.
5: Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Chris. Hello,
2: now, Clayton. Hello, Are Clayton. you, uh, you're a general at this point at, in the Alarmy.
5: Yes, I have. I just got my medal in the mail.
2: Clayton, tell us, I have to ask, is there something that's alarming you recently?
5: Like the real tea?
2: Uh, Yeah,
6: (laughs) I think so. You're in a safe space.
5: Yeah. The the thing that is really giving me anxiety lately is my pretty severe depression around being locked down, Mm. (laughs) feeling isolated and and Mm. noticing, I guess, my inclination to withdraw from public or social, like even like a phone call. I'm like, I don't want to even... Like the energy that requires. Yeah. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, you're really asking a lot of me right now to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. This is joyful, but my lack of energy is a clear sign of some kind of depression that's given me anxiety lately.
2: Yeah, I have. Mm. I have that classic uh, case of what's the point of getting up in the morning? Yeah, that one. <laughs>
5: Yeah. I was saying sure, to someone, yeah. I, I feel like I truly understand the phrase bored to tears now. <laughs> like I, I know what that, like before you said it was like kind of cute, like, oh God, I'm just so bored, like bored to tears, whatever. But now, like I have cried. <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow. wow. So we're happy to give you something to do. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Now we have so much to cover. I The, the fun must stop because okay. we got to get serious now and we got to start learning about the Flint water crisis. Before we start blaming, I think we need to understand how lead ended up in the water of Flint, Michigan. So NPR has this great timeline. You can check it online. I I have to tell you, I love timelines. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: (laughs) I'm just, I I get so excited. So April 25th, 2014, they start using water from the Flint River, right? This is when the switch happens. Uh, Minimal treatment to the water is done. Not much. May, just a, a few Weeks later, residents start complaining that it smells funny and the color is not right. Now, in August, E. coli and total coliform, coliform bacteria are detected in the water. Now, this prompts some advisories for residents to boil their water and the city responds by increasing chlorine levels in the water. This is important. Now... January 20, uh, 2015, they find disinfectant, disinfection byproducts in the water. Now, Flint is found to be in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act because of the level of total uh, TTHM in the water. TTHM are disinfection byproducts that occur when chlorine interacts with organic matter in the water. Some types are, some types are possible carcin. Carson- Carcinogens. Carcinogens. <laughs> Hard word. Carcinogens for humans, says the CDC. Just a side note. In, as a response, the state starts buying bottled water for its employees <gasps> at government offices. Oh.
3: Always the worst.
2: Oh, that's so... Oh, my God. <laughs> so, February 25th, tests show high lead levels in ho- in a home, right? It's been almost a year. A city test reveals high lead content in the water of a Flint residence home. Then in April, Walters, who's the owner of that house, says that her child was diagnosed with lead poisoning. An independent test done by the Virginia Tech researchers find that her lead levels at 13,200 ppb. Water is considered hazardous waste at 5,000 ppb. So that's almost three times. Mm. Okay, let's get into a little science. So just brace yourself. We're going to talk about science for just a minute or so.
5: I want to say that on the this article that you're referencing, if people are interested, just to Google it, because there's a really great image at the top that shows a picture of a nail in the Detroit water, and then one in the Flint River water after a year. And the difference is like, Night and day. Like one looks like a clean nail and the other is a pretty disgusting eroded.
2: Covered in crap. Yeah. Thank you for the visual, Clay. Mm -hmm. Um okay. Now, chemical according to chemical and engineering news. To understand the problem, consider that as water travels through miles of pipes in a city's distribution system, molecules in the water react with the pipes themselves. Corrosion occurs when oxidants, such as dissolved oxygen or chlorine disinfectant, react with elemental iron, lead, or copper in the pipes. Cities no longer install lead pipes, but older cities, such as Flint, still rely on them, usually as service lines that connect water mains in the street to a home's water meter. A, ni- a 1990 report from the American Water Works Association estimates that there are millions of lead service lines in the U.S. That's a scary fact. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To limit how much lead, lead leaches into the water from these pipes and some homes plumbing EPA's lead and copper rule requires water utilities serving more than 50,000 people to establish a plan to monitor and control corrosion. As part of these plans, utilities treat their water to maintain a mineral crust on the inside surface surfaces of their pipes. Does that make sense? So they want oh, okay. you want you want the crusty pipes. A
5: protective crust.
2: Exactly. Mm, okay. This so-called passivation layer protects the pipe's metal from oxidants in the water. If the water's chemistry isn't optimized, then the passivation layer may start to dissolve or mineral particles may begin to flake off of the pipe's crust. This exposes bare metal, allowing the iron, lead, or copper to oxidize and leach into the water. Environmental engineers that see C- it, C- CNEN contacted say that on the basis of how Flint treated the water, the river water, the water chemistry was not optimized to control corrosion. Most important, the treated Flint river water lacked one chemical that the treated Detroit water had phosphate. They essentially lost something that was protecting them against high lead
6: concentrations. Wow. So they, and they took that out by the way they were treating it because, because this is a different kind of water. And they dumped
2: in
5: a bunch of chlorine, right? Okay, well,
2: let's get to that. Another chemical factor that contributed to the treated river water's corrosiveness was its chloride concentration. The treated Detroit water's average chloride level was 11.4 parts per million in 2014. According to an annual water quality report from the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, meanwhile, uh, the treated Flint water was 85 ppm chloride. So the the water they had before was 11.4, and their new one is
6: 85.
2: Yikes. In August 2015, according to the monthly operation report from the Flint Treatment Plant, the plant may have contributed to these high levels when it tried to address high levels of toxic TTH. Trialomethanes. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to abbreviate it, but you know. The Flint plant had increased the amount of chlorine it used in the summer of 2014 to combat the E. coli contamination problem to reduce levels of trialomethanes uh, uh, that formed. The plant removed organic matter from the water by adding ferric chloride, which coagulates organic matter, making it easier to filter out. Even though the treatment took care of the TTHM problem, it increased the water's chloride levels. Environmental engineers worry about high chloride levels because studies have shown that lead corrosion is more likely when the ratio of chloride to sulfate concentration is greater than 0.58. Research at Virginia Tech calculated that the ratio for treated Detroit water is 0.45, so lower, and for the treated Flint River water, it was 1.6.
6: Okay, so they basically traded E. coli and TTHMs for lead. Lead poisoning. Yes. Which is worse. Because, I mean, they both all bad. Because they didn't do
2: it properly to begin with. Because there shouldn't have been E. coli in the water in the first place. Right. If which, they had treated it. For sure. So, so who so, do we blame? This is gonna, people are gonna roll their eyes, but a lack of phosphate and too much chlorine. <laughs>
6: We're starting out very sort of zoomed in already. Like (laughs) if we can just like zoom out for a second, and I just have to say like it's insane that no one dealt with this before they started giving people this water.
5: I think that's a good point because what I found interesting in the brief amount of research that I was doing before this is that, you know, they decided to connect to this whatever – uh, different water source. I can't pronounce it. It starts the with a Flint K. River. <laughs> uh, it starts well the, the to build this pipeline to go to
2: Lake Huron.
5: Yes, that's what it is. And so they were like, so it's gonna take a couple of years to build this pipe in order to do that. So why not just stay connected to the good water that you have until the pipe is pipe is done
3: that's Versus a great question.
5: like you so you wanna like get a jump start on saving some money over those two years? Like I I guess I understand that but like if you haven't if you're not going to do like amanda said the due diligence of researching the water that you're going to switch to just stay with the water that's good
2: well i i would have loved i think everyone would have loved if you would have been the person calling the shots because that is a very logical approach uh to the situation but that uh, that is not what they did and we can of course say that it was driven by money clearly So I I think the first person that needs to go up on the board is Governor Rick Snyder. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice.
5: (laughs) 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 He really makes makes her her angry.
3: angry.
2: (laughs) 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 So according to politifact.com, in his... 2010 gubernatorial bid, Snyder touted his managerial experiences as a businessman and promised to bring outside experts to transform financially languishing municipalities. To do so, he was able to use an existing law that allowed the governor to appoint an emergency manager. To trump locally elected officials on key political decisions. Mm. In Flint's case, Snyder appointed two successive emergency managers, Ed Kurtz and Darnell Early, Clayton Early. Mm,
5: Clayton not, Early. not that I know. Uh, <laughs>
2: So under emergency management, the city ended its agreement to obtain water from the Detroit Water Company. To a significant degree, the buck stops with Snyder, the state's top elected official. And Snyder did set the tone for curbing municipal overspending. There, quote, there was a lot of wishful thinking by which the tax cutters dreamed that they could keep on cutting taxes without having any real consequences, says uh, Charles Ballard, an economist at Michigan State University. But tax cuts of this magnitude, some of which were passed during the first year of Governor Snyder's administration, were bound to have real consequences. According to Detroit News, a memo sent to a top official in the Snyder administration before Flint began using river water in April was, Uh, warned that rushing the city's water treatment plant into full-time production could lead to some big potential disasters down the road. Now, as we all know, uh, Rick Snyder, who's now the former governor of Michigan, he has been charged, but his charges are misdemeanors punishable by imprisonment of up to one year or a maximum fine of $1,000.
6: Jeez.
3: Mm. Yeah, but if you get put in the alarmist jail, then... That's that's forever.
2: That's forever. Um, yeah.
6: yeah. 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 He's looking pretty good right now to go to the alarmist jail. And, and how about those people he brought in to help him? The loophole guys? Should we put them yeah. on the board, too? The em- so,
2: emergency general... Uh, the emergency managers. Okay,
6: that's um, Ed Kurtz and Darnell Early, Clayton's cousin.
5: Yes. <laughs> my good, okay. close cousin, Darnell. You guys text all the time, right? Yes. Can I... Let's... I'm yep. loving this. i also, let's, let's just, why don't we pull back even wider before mm-hmm. we get to the specificity of these managers? Because what is there to be said about the fact that Flint was once this growing, blossoming boom GM car town
4: mm-hmm. that
5: then basically after GM did some cutbacks, right? This is my basic understanding. So please don't consider me an expert, but a town of like a hundred thousand people doubles to doubles in size because of the boom of GM, and then GM has some cutbacks for reasons I'm not sure aware of, and then they start running into like a, a tax problem, right? So, is there something to be said about like uh, is GM to blame? Is, like, is there what? like a recession or something going on or Maybe Chris think, has information on that.
2: I think we're looking at it similarly, but differently. I I ha- was going to put up rural flight up on the board because this is what happens when uh, people flee places and all of a sudden... Um, the, the the revenue that a city once made Is, is now gone Which I well, think is interesting We never think about it that way We're just like oh well sure. the city just People left because they didn't want to live there But you don't think about the economics How that affects the city economically Other than like oh well they're not buying As much in the city No 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 they're not paying taxes
5: I think that has to do a lot With industry right It's like people aren't just Changing their minds they went to I mean it's not something like Flint, like Flint wasn't a, a blo like a huge bustling city. It was very much like a like a trade kind of town that grew because of the industry that popped up in there. But when these industries downsize or close up, what happens to those like you said, all those cities that were that was once growing, where does that yeah. happens?
6: Well, well, I think it, we got to go with ca- put capitalism on the board because oh, it yeah. happens all the times where these big corporations, they'll have run into some issues, they pack up and leave. And like this just happened in Southern California with like a battery plan. They just mm-hmm. leave a toxic mess that they aren't held accountable to clean up. Because So I think we put capitalism, GM, and like lack of government oversight. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You could also put like something like...
2: Leaving the party and not uh, cleaning up after yourself, or not cleaning up after yourself, (laughs) or maybe just like
5: human, we are inherently wasteful. Mm
2: -hmm. So there's just
5: this idea of like use it until it's useless and then leave it.
2: Oh,
3: corporate waste specifically, right? Yeah, that does the most damage. Sure. Yeah. Without any specifics in terms of the why of Flint's sort of shrinking, I guess is one way to put it, but just sort of like jobs basically leaving the area. Um, Internationalization of the auto industry, increased Mm. popularity of imported cars, um, and then production being outsourced to other countries. Overseas, yeah. Oh, interesting. that, that, That happens. They went from... 80,000 employees were hired by GM and Flint area in the 1960s, and then in 2008, fewer than 7,100 salaried employees were in the area.
2: Right. We'll talk about downsizing. So
3: that is—
2: So that's capitalism, just. right?
5: Where can we get the most for spending a little amount of money, all these Absolutely. oversourced Wait, think,
3: car companies? I think capitalism is a big one, Yeah.
2: Yeah, the big C. How about
3: over? No. How about over reliance on one industry? Yeah, I mean, is that something? It's
2: hard. That's hard because, like, if entertainment left Hollywood,
6: like, what are we gonna do? Oh
3: my God! Please don't say that. <laughs> we'll we'll all go to
5: Atlanta, right? That's where it is now.
6: Yeah, yeah. you know what's we, interesting, Chris, is you brought that up. I think for the Jaws episode, mm. uh, what? I think too. What you, you were saying that the town was. Um, over-reliant on like the, the beaches and you were suggesting mm-hmm. maybe they opened like a karaoke bar.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, hindsight, we can look back and say, oh, you're over-reliant on one industry, but the way towns are formed is because an industry is successful mm-hmm. in that town. Like, yeah. so, And cities are are born because there is work and people go there to work. I don't so- know what
2: mm-hmm. the solution
6: is. I'm sure an economist knows. What's so crazy about this is, like you would read about this, Um, and and then learn it said it happened in 2014 and be so shocked like we are we do take having clean water and food for granted in america Mm -hmm. but we're a developed nation and it should be a human right that everyone has clean water like despite what's going on you know politically and economically it's like you do just assume like excuse me the water that you are drinking is someone 's making sure it's clean yeah mm-hmm. there's a level of
2: trust that we you know have decided that we should have on the government and it does co- go down to politics like you said, Amanda, because I, I think that we should discuss this lack of oversight, which I think goes back to the fact that the city it was a, a state appointed emergency manager now. Uh, According to the Washington Post, emergency managers are accountable to the governor. In Flint's case, this was a governor who did not receive a majority of the vote from the city's residents. Flint was being ruled by an uh, official who was not elected by or responsible to Flint's residents. My work shows that when rulers are not accountable to their subjects, they have an easier time making decisions that defy the preferences and even best interests of those people. Maybe we should put up politics on the board.
6: Sure. I mean, it certainly has something to do with why this guy wanted to lower taxes. Okay. Who and else we got? Speaking of the people, I think we,
2: I think we need to put up systemic racism.
6: Mm.
1: Mm.
2: Um, NRDC.org. According to them, the Michigan civil rights commission, a state established body concluded that the poor governmental response to the Flint crisis was a result of his, of systemic racism. Now, essentially, they cared more about businesses than the people, economics more than the people. Back to this NPR uh, timeline. On October 13 of 2014, General Motors stopped using Flint River water. So General Motors said that it was going to stop using the river water, fearing corrosion in its machines. Mm -hmm. Because all of the metal, uh, you don't want the higher chlorine water to result in corrosion. Uh, GM spokesman T.M. Uh, Wickham said, "We noticed it it's some time ago, and the decision has been going on for some time. So, essentially, it's not good not good enough for the machine, but good enough for humans is wow. what they're saying." Washington Post says. Uh, This is a story of political failure. The federal structure of overlapping and mismatched government authorities ensures that public services vary from place to place and makes it easy for officials to pass the buck. Extreme residential segregation in the United States means that the people who are most likely to suffer in the system are the poor and people of color. The people who have access to high-quality public goods and services are more likely to be white and well-off. Those who do not are likelier to be racial or ethnic minorities, and low income. This is true today as it was in in 1900. If Flint had been mostly white and mostly well-off, it is possible that the MDEQ... And governor would have listened more attentively. But what's even more likely is that the deep financial woes that led to this series of disastrous choices could never have taken place. Over the past 200 years, zoning policies, housing policies, lending policies, and transportation policies passed by federal, state, and local governments have co- contributed to the segregation of people of color and the poor. The spatial accumulation of disadvantage means that some cities have the luxury of providing clean water to their residents, while while others struggle, as is true in Flint, where more than 40% of the residents live in households below the poverty line. Uh, the fact that Burton, a-, a neighboring city, was clean has clean, inexpensive water, and Flint does not, is the result not just of the variation that federalism allows, but also centuries of accumulated structural racism.
3: And that was uh, an, all from an article by Jessica Line. Um,
2: yes super good article um and she makes a lot of uh interesting points Uh, for me the most glaring one is that the there's a a neighboring city who's Mm -hmm. doing just fine that's doing just fine
5: i have a question do you guys drink tap water here Uh, in in your home
2: i filter my tap water
6: but yes
5: always so you never drink it straight out of the tap
6: no i I put it through a, a filter
5: Amanda. I'll drink tap
6: water occasionally, but not really. I always um, have some sort of fridge that I always get water from the fridge.
3: Okay. And do you uh, replace the filter in your fridge?
6: I, I do, but growing up, I'm sure no one did. <laughs> 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 what about you, Clayton?
5: I, 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 it's a combination of both. I will say, like, one of my weird habits is, you know, at nighttime, sometimes I'll get up in the middle of the night because I'll be thirsty. Mike always brings a glass of water with him, and he asks if I want one, and I don't. I will drink water right from the faucet, like, in my bathroom. I'll just, like, mm. lean down like it's a fountain. And that's, like, an enjoyable experience for me. But I, I am consciously aware that it's the only time I do it. And I think, what if this is the moment that I'm ingesting the carcinogen?
6: Right.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah.
5: It goes back to a level of trust. It's like, do we all – were we conditioned to trust? Or is there something about us four and our experience well, that leads us I to I don't want to water? scare
2: anyone, but – if you think about it, there's you know millions, uh, what, what is the stat, millions of lead pipes all over the country, mm-hmm. and those have not been replaced. And now let's take a quick break to speak with guest expert Corey Stern, a New York-based attorney representing children in Flint. Let's hear what he has to say. So I, I'm, I'm almost scared to ask you this because I don't know if I want to know the answer, but how common are these water problems in cities across the country? Was this just a, a one-time thing that happened in Flint?
4: No. Uh, so it, it is sad. I mean, it's our country, the infrastructure of our country in terms of water delivery systems is mainly lead pipes. And so, you know, in, in, in every city in the country, there's likely some level of lead in the pipes. The, the issue is is you can treat water in an appropriate way that makes it less likely that when the water flows through the pipes, that anything from the pipes will leach to the water. What happened in Flint was, you know, if I were explaining it to one of my kids, which I have a hundred times, and I'm not sure they understand it. The rocket scientist does the other one still hadn't gotten it, but um, <laughs> you know, there's stuff you can put in water that treats the water properly. It's called corrosion control, meaning that corroded pipes won't mess up the water. Flint didn't use any of that. And so when the water was going through the pipes, it picked up all of the corrosive materials from the pipes. So as long as cities are treating their water appropriately, the water is likely safe for the time being. But ultimately, there's no amount of corrosion control that you could put in water that will effectively save you from the, the, the pipes in the long run. So what really needs to happen in our country is there needs to be a push to change out the infrastructure from lead pipes to other materials, or scientists need to find a way to make sure that there's never a chance that things in in pipes, the materials in pipes would leach to the water, but it requires a significant investment in infrastructure. And that sounds, again, like very hoity toity but it really means you got to replace stuff that's underground in order to keep people safe. And there's ways to do it that would benefit society beyond just the thing itself. Like if Flint was a community like it is or other communities that are like Flint with low employment rates and uh, um, an underserved community with impoverished folks who live below the poverty line, if you were to create a system where those would be the folks who could work on the pipes, you could simultaneously be, be employing and paying them to do the work that's required for their community to be safe to do the work for their community that's required to have businesses come in and invest in the community. Like who right now, if you were starting your own business and you were looking for a place in the country to start it, I'm not sure many people would put Flint at the top of their list because of the unknown about the water presently and because of the socioeconomic nature of that community So it it requires that everywhere, whether it's Newark, New Jersey or Milwaukee, Wisconsin or Flint, Michigan. That's ultimately going to be required across the country.
2: Don't miss our full interview with Corey Stern on Thursday's Aftermath. Now back to our conversation. There are other aspects of the uh, government Government that we could put up on the board. There's the Department of Envi- Environmental Quality, so the MDEQ, and these. This is a state agency that oversaw the um, the, the the water. You know, there was I, I in that NPR article uh, timeline article. You can read like there's a particular spokesman named Brad Werfel who he just like spun things in a way that. It was like, don't worry about the water, essentially. A leaked internal memo from the EPA expresses concern about lead levels in Flint. Uh, Michigan Radio reaches out to MDEQ for comment about the memo, and spokesman Brad Warfel says, let me start here. Anyone who is concerned about lead in the drinking water in Flint
6: can relax. So whose pocket were they in? Were they, why are they protecting Flint? I mean, they're a state agency. Hmm.
2: And they're probably protecting themselves and their decision to choose to pump Flint
6: River water. Okay, well, they're Um, on the board.
3: We got to put MDEQ up there because they failed to require corrosion control. They misinformed U.S. EPA about Flint's corrosion control. So they basically failed at their jobs and then they didn't inform the EPA that they fucked up.
2: I mean, I finally just want to put a, a local millionaire up on the board. <clears throat>
3: oh.
5: um,
2: according to another Washington Post uh, article, a home rule charter adopted by Flint residents in 1929 granted the city government the authority to install and maintain its own sewers and waterworks. Flint once was a boom town. Its population doubled, um, and they couldn't keep up with the, the demand of the increased demand of in regards to their water supply city leaders plan to build a pipeline to Lake Huron. This was in the twenties, but a local millionaire conspired with public officials to defraud the city in a land deal. Voters were disillusioned. Instead of building the pipeline, Flint entered into a 30 year contract to buy water from Detroit's water and sewer system, leaving it at the mercy of Detroit's decisions and price increases. So they could have had this pipeline... Since the 20s. Okay, and do, we Ooh. don't have a name on this local millionaire, so... No. <laughs> I couldn't... I've been Googling <laughs> local millionaire 1920s Flint, Michigan, and uh, uh, and water, you know, uh, conspiracy or whatever.
6: <sighs> okay, well, you <laughs> know... I really, really want to slap the local millionaire already. <laughs> just just <laughs> because I, I just love that visual, his <laughs> little round glasses, like being knocked off his head when we slap him.
5: I have some information that I wanted to share that me may related to bonds. Let me, I'm going to read the, this is from CNN.com. This is from December, 2016, four officials, two of Flint's former emergency managers who reported directly to the governor and two water plant officials are charged with felonies of false pretenses and conspiracy. They are accused of misleading the Michigan department of treasury into getting millions in bonds and then misused the money to finance the construction of a new pipeline, forcing Flint's drinking water source to be switched to the Flint river. And related to that very recently in, As, uh, October 7th of 2020, um, residents of Flint filed a civil lawsuit against three investments banks. According to the complaint, JPMorgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Stifle, Nicholas and Company underwrote the bond sale that financed the enabled, uh, and, yeah, they underwrote the bond sale that financed and enabled Flint's participation in the Caridnon Water Authority Pipeline. The banks, right. quote, knew that a necessary element of the plan was to use raw, untreated Flint River water as an interim drinking water source, which would expose Flint residents and water users to lead poisoning and Legionella bacteria. So it seems like it's possible some people in there are like misusing bond funds. For their own uh, benefit, and the bank that underwrote those bonds knew that the water was going to be shitty, literally shitty,
2: that oh. they connected to. Okay, so I can't wait to talk to our guest expert and see if he knows if he tried some of these people. Right. Well, I'm going
6: to put corruption up on the board because doesn't that yes. seems like that encompasses yes. that? Anything else anyone wants to throw up? Do we Jeez. have old lead? <laughs> lead. Well, I, well, we might as well put lead lead up. Right. Sure. Lead pipes. bad. I think at some point we blamed bla- bad pipes for something. I don't know why that's yeah. sounding familiar.
2: Oh, that was for, um, the bad pipes was for the, um, the gas leak in India. Oh, mm. okay, Bill Paul, right? Okay, we're going to start narrowing down on who we think is to blame after this quick break.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
3: Lack of phosphate, too much chlorine, Governor Rick Snyder, emergency managers Ed Kurtz and Darnell Early, rural flight, capitalism, lack of government oversight, corporate waste, General Motors, over-reliance on one industry, politics, systemic racism, the EDMQ, a 1920s local millionaire...
2: Not just the <laughs> twenties. The 1920s. Honestly, the 1920s were screwed up.
6: Well, I, so got, I, I got
3: confused because I got confused because Amanda put in the EDMQ, but it's actually the MDEQ.
6: Oh, uh, what did I put in? EDM, e- like EDMQ. <laughs> so what's the proper what... one? Well, how do you say it?
3: It's the Michigan Department, I think, of uh, MDEQ, Environmental Quality. So MDEQ,
6: MDEQ,
3: a nineteen (laughs) twenties local millionaire, corruption or lead pipes.
2: Off the bat, I think we can put. The the lack of phosphate and too much chlorine, we can take that off. I mean, I think it was it was useful to put it up on the board so we could understand the science yes. behind it.
5: <laughs> it's a byproduct of poor decisions elsewhere.
2: Yes. Yeah. The chemicals are, are just chemicals and it's how you use them, right? Right.
5: You can't blink chemicals under the sink.
2: You no. have to
3: blame the person using the chemicals from under the sink. I, I also right. just we need a late. We have to. Ha- oh, capitalism is up on the board. Sorry, yeah, never mind. it's up
2: there. It's Clay- Clayton's on this episode. I'm on there. Here.
3: Come on. <laughs> I didn't even say it. I, Amanda said.
2: Yeah, it. I didn't even put it up on my list. I <laughs> <laughs> now I, I think we can take the emergency managers off the list. Actually, the 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 particular g- people because. I think it's more about the governor who
6: appointed them. It could have been anyone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like them, but I, I agree we can mm-hmm. wrap them up into the governor. And, and to your guys' point about the chlorine and the phosphate, maybe also lead pipes can be Yeah. taken out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not happy with them, like you said, Amanda. Mm-hmm. We, we don't
2: like them.
3: Well, we're not happy with anybody who goes on the list. No. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm very... I that.
3: mean, up on the board. Right? I'm
5: feeling up like...
3: Like, like politics, like are
5: just a little bit too general for this specific topic?
2: What do we think about rural flight? I feel like we can take that off the board.
5: Let me understand that, Rebecca, when you're saying rural flight, you mean like people leaving a suburb because there's no nothing to do there. Yes, yes. And feeling like there's more opportunity in the city. Which is, I guess, is different than an over-reliance on one industry, right? Because, like, you don't have to have an industry in a suburb for a suburb to exist. You can just be fleeing the city.
2: uh, No, I I believe rural flight has more to do with economic opportunity elsewhere. Right,
3: right. So there, okay. And that's not exactly, uh, yeah, it's just economic opportunity elsewhere.
6: Yeah. Well, and that ties into, like, corporate. Uh, capitalism, essentially. Yeah. You sure. know? So I think we can wrap because it, it's like you can have rural flight. Like, I understand whatever the industry left Flint and there was an economic downturn, but we're talking about uh, poisoning a wall, you know, giving people poison water. So it's not just like who's to blame for Flint being, uh, you know, everyone leaving Flint. It's like who's to right. blame for the water. It's a management crisis. issue. Yes, I I think that can be wrapped up into capitalism.
2: Sure. And and if that's the case, then I think we can take General Motors off the list. Yeah. But I don't think we can take the local millionaire from 1920s off yet.
6: Why don't we wrap up corruption into the 1920s local millionaire? Just he's sort of the corruption figurehead.
2: Sure. Right.
6: And now what about like... Over-reliance on one industry, I'm feeling personally that can go because it doesn't really encompass the water poisoning. Sure. Yes, I, sure. I, I'm
2: yeah, with
3: you. No, it speaks more to Flint and sort yeah. of what happened to it before this incident.
2: And I think that we can uh, roll in lack of government oversight with uh, the governor, really.
6: Yeah, and that could also sure. roll into the more specific uh, MDEQ. Which was the agency that was meant to be doing the oversight, but absolutely right. did not do lift a finger.
3: Yeah, the MDEQ looks really bad. Looks yeah, really bad. they do.
6: Now we have the, uh, Governor
2: Rick Snyder up on the board. Capitalism, corporate waste, emergency manager law, systemic racism, MDEQ, and the 1920s local millionaire. I don't know who we're going to. I mean, all of them work mm. for me.
5: Corporate waste.
2: Why? I mean, I guess you can say that they didn't realize what they were doing Uh, in the 60s. uh, I mean, they didn't care. That's terrible. They just didn't care.
3: it, It is infuriating. It seems like too big
5: or too broad of a stroke to blame just like corporate waste in general when there are so many more specific people or things involved with this fiasco.
6: Right. We could roll it into capitalism. I agree. Sure,
5: sure.
2: I've
6: had that same thought.
3: I'm gonna make a big suggestion that you guys might not like, but I think we should roll capitalism into Rick Snyder because he wanted to run the city and we've heard this term before, like a business.
6: Oh Remember?
2: yes.
3: And, and and but didn't he say that?
2: Yes, that that in that article. Yeah, that's what that's the platform he ran. So oh
6: he was on. he
5: was
3: infected with capitalism
5: and he led accordingly. <laughs>
6: Oh, with no yes, regard. The, the infection stuck. Yeah. <laughs> no regard for human life, literally. Bye.
3: Exactly. So it's infuriating. Yeah, it's infuriating too that people would elect somebody like that, and it's infuriating that people would want. Like, where did that term? Why isn't that roundly dis- like just despise that term? Like, wait, wait, you want to run? A country like, like a, a business, business? you yeah. want to run the city like a business like no 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 it's sir. like a
2: parent being like i want to run this family like a business mm. and you're like gross
5: <laughs> and then you put your kids in a sweatshop rebecca, so they can make yeah. as much money as possible <laughs> God. rebecca
3: didn't get an allowance when she was growing
2: up so <laughs> i can
3: understand her frustration <laughs>
2: I mean, I think that's so wrong.
3: No, I agree. That's why I'm saying Governor Rick Snyder, it kind of, the buck stops with him, literally.
6: To that point, I mean, maybe we also wrap up systemic racism into Governor Rick Snyder just because he was implementing, you know, he was sort of the person enforcing these racist policies. Yeah, I -hmm. I understand that. But I, I also can't
2: get past the fact that the the town next to flint was doing the white town next to flint is doing well
6: well there's obviously like racism and classism at play and like a lot of these industrial disasters where people end up you know getting fucked so I, i mean it definitely is a huge huge part of it but i'm like just so eager to like send some of these actual people to jail well you know you know what amanda
2: i i i i'm seeing your point in that if let's say government governor snyder had was was not um prone i guess to or vulnerable to the systemic racism like we're all trying to be more open-minded and and uh, run in an equal, you know, try and run things. And, and especially if he had done his job with more equality and compassion in mind, then perhaps his decisions would have been different. And honestly, it was his call at the end of the day.
6: Yeah, and I also think that systemic racism plays in a lot to, like, how GM polluted the water supply and how then they Mm -hmm. just, like, left and let this town to kind of, like, deal with the repercussions. Like, it's bigger than just, like, what literally how we got here with the Flint water. It, like, set the whole scene.
5: I was just thinking that kind of brings up this question of, like, the model of business. Is it inherently inequitable because it's rooted in growth right like Mm. him coming in running things like a business a a business is the success of a business is judged on its you know essentially its earning potential right like is it growing is it making money not just like is it sustaining itself in like status quo and getting by that's kind of like an American society anyway viewed as like a stagnant company. So if you're running a city which has living, breathing people with different backgrounds and access and whatever incomes, like they're not they're not a business. Like it's a community. It's a different level. Right. So I guess it's, that's just to say, like, yeah, I guess maybe his business mentality is. I don't know. Maybe that's the bigger problem. Like business maybe is not it's, equitable. It's, it's more about sustainability and growth.
3: To put a po- fine point on it, there's a lack of humanity, an in, in, innate lack of humanity in his politics.
2: So, what do we think about sending the governor to jail and get, giving systemic racism
6: and classism the big slap?
3: The MDEQ I'm, is the only one that gets off easy. Yeah, you know, it, it,
6: they bother me so bad because that was their whole job. job. And like systemic racism and classism, yes, but it also like that's all wrapped up into capitalism,
3: Mm -hmm.
6: Well, but what about this, though, when
2: when the state was then had to like, whatever, do its inquiry on what happened, they just blamed it all on the MDEQ.
6: Oh, that that doesn't bode well. And I will also say, like, them not believing the people when they were like, this water is weird and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why you didn't believe them.
5: So I guess the question then is, if we truly think it's like racism, I guess then the question is. Do you think Governor Rick Snyder would have decided differently, being this businessman, if it were a group of poor white folks? Do you think that changed the calculus? I don't. Or do you think not if they were poor.
6: I don't think so. Because he, I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily. I guess think we won't so. know. We don't know. I mean, Rebecca, I will never try to talk you out of slapping systemic racism and classism. Yeah. So if that's where your heart yeah, is, yeah. I say follow, the, follow yeah. those instincts.
2: I think that we should go go forward with this decision and if we're wrong then it won't be the first time (laughs) it'll be the 100th time or something (laughs) okay uh i'm calling it systemic racism and classism you're getting the big slap governor rick snyder you're going to the alarmist jail and did you just see that little 1920s local millionaire scurry off with his little oh, glasses? Yes. He's
6: going to be back, though, because I want him to be our alarmist villain, our super supervillain. We... <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the Monopoly guy. <laughs> is that who you are?
5: Oh, God. Uh...
2: <laughs> yes,
3: that's who he is.
2: Um, Clayton, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
2: As we mentioned, the Flint water crisis is still ongoing. Children are ill, and we still don't know the long-term implications of the exposure. Recently, a federal judge granted preliminary approval of a $641 million class action settlement in the case. That ruling comes exactly a week after nine public officials, including former Governor Rick Snyder were indicted in 42 counts of wrongdoing involving their alleged roles in the water crisis. All nine have pleaded not guilty. To this day, many people who live in Flint continue to use bottled water for drinking and cooking. Who you think is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com. follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist at gmail.com tune in next week we'll be discussing the little rock nine